0: Delicious dishes and generous sizes that really satisfy the appetite. So come hang with the sports crowd at Rafferty's. It's the tastiest place in town.
1: I'm looking at this media guide, and on top of it, it says embrace the challenge. And that can't be any more true for John Calipari this year with two juniors, four sophomores, and eight freshmen.
0: Well, you know, he's been pretty good over the last eight years to use that word challenge, meet the opportunity. This year, there'll be no one to question it. I mean, this is truly, he very easily could start five freshmen, even though when uh, Gabriel plays, it won't be uh, five freshmen, four freshmen and a sophomore. But uh, this year, more so than any year since he's been here, the challenge is going to be monumental from the standpoint that each of the years before he's had one or two players coming back. He's had like the first year, you know, he had Patrick Patterson coming back. He had, uh,
1: Josh Harrison, Josh Harrelson, Stevenson. Harrison
0: Stevenson. And then in, uh, 2012, when they won it, he had two freshmen coming back. Terrence Jones, Deron Lamb. And then he had the big guy, Darius Miller coming this year, other than Winion Gabriel, there's nobody coming back that had any significant minutes. So fresh, young, the, the challenge went. He did temper the preseason schedule, schedule a little bit this year, but boy, is he going to run into some tough ones on the road in the SEC.
1: Just to show everybody how young this roster is two juniors, Dylan Poyam and Johnny David, four sophomores, Winion Gabriel, Brad Calipari, Ty Winyard, and Sasha Kalea Jones, eight freshmen. Shay Gilgus Alexander, Kevin Knox, Jamal Baker, Quade Green, Hamadou Diallo, which came in halfway through last year. How's that going to translate as far as his maturity? and experience even though he didn't get any playing time
0: yeah you you'd like to think he's acclimated at least being on the bench for home games the crowd should not affect him the practices should help him plus the fact he's here a full summer this summer so that that should be some incentive to him in the comfort zone but you never get in the comfort zone till you're out there working up a sweat going from inline to inline
1: and it seemed like some of these preseason games we've seen them three times now it seemed like he was forcing his games a little bit. It may have been just first first timeout, little jitters. To continue with the roster, Nick Richards and Jared Vanderbilt, P.J. Washington. Cats are a little banged up right now.
0: Uh, yeah, they've had some injuries in the preseason. They've had some injuries from some of these kids' it's high school career carrying over. And uh, so truly, uh, the month of November and December and maybe even into January, uh, you, you're not going to see t- – at least until the end of January, what this team is going to be like as far as shaping up through their first six, seven, eight players they play. And that's another interesting thing. He's not going to platoon like he did a couple of years ago. But, uh, you know, he's got some pretty good players there that if he does try to zero in on, say, a rotation of seven or eight, uh, there's more than seven or eight quality players on this team. Well, let's talk about the
1: injuries real quick. Jared Vanderbilt, which we found out uh, just a little bit before Sitting down and recording this, that he is going through individual workouts. He's conditioning a little bit more now after uh, the foot injury. He's expected to be back. I'm is a there, little bit concerned. Or practicing, practicing at the practicing end of the month.
0: at the end of the month. But you know, it was just a few weeks ago where they were talking about surgery and then being back in late January, and now they're saying there's surgery is not needed and. When you run in that, I mean, no, nobody wants to go under the knife for anything. Not even have your tonsils taken out. But what you've got now is apparently they've decided after going to several doctors, this is the way to go. Hopefully it works out. Hopefully he gets practicing by the end of November, and then you get through December. There's there's some there's some games in there you can play with in December. So what you're really shooting for is you're really ready to go that first week of January.
1: Jamal Baker has had a lingering injury as well. He's going to be out for the next three months, and he's expected to be back just in time for the conference. Ty Winyard has a broken nose, uh, courtesy of P.J. Washington, I believe. So, uh, And this all happened before the Cats even took, took the court for their first exhibition game against Thomas Moore. But on the positive side, let's talk about this. Hamadou Diallo and Kevin Knox. On the preseason Oscar Robertson watch list, we also found out earlier today that Kevin Knox and Amadou Diallo made the uh, Naismith Trophy watch list as well.
0: A-, a lot of kids coming in with a lot of accolades. A little bit different this year because none of these guys are really projected to be top 10 or 12 lottery picks on the one and none. I think there's going to be some kids coming back for their sophomore years that we may not have suspected because the recruiting seems going on a little bit slow right now. And I think one of those reasons are A lot of these kids that are seniors are looking at Kentucky roster, ooh, how many of these are going to come back? So this is going to be a season-long progress to see. Sometimes somebody jumps up, starts playing real well in, say, the middle of February, and suddenly they weren't going to go as quickly as they were. Um, You know, we've seen that happen in the past. I mean, whoever thought that Tyler Udus would be two and done? You know, he was projected to be a a four-year player that maybe could come back a fifth year. So you just don't know about this until you get it underway into the season, get some games on your belt and see how they are, uh, coexisting with each other. Listening to Cal on his, uh, pre Utah Valley press conference on Thursday. Uh, I, I sense something in his demeanor that I haven't sensed before as far as a young team and getting ready. He, he kept talking about how he was having to be a different coach this year and, This was something new that, you know, the times that he's went through this before, it's been so far back he'd forgotten about it. And I saw a genuine concern on his face like, boy, this may be a, I've always said challenges and I've always said it's going to be rough, but this really is going to be rough.
1: You were explaining that to me, and you said you really hadn't seen that side of Cal since 12, 13.
0: Yeah, and, and I didn't see it then until we got up into the season when we had the injury in Nerlens Noel, and uh, the guard situation didn't work out like it did because he didn't dream that Marquise uh, was going to, Marquise Teague was going to be a one and done and got caught with no point guard. You know, so those are seeming to happen then, but I, I get the same feeling that he's concerned that you know, is this team going to be able to do it? he's been very successful every year up until now, other than that one year. Uh, So, so who knows? I mean, we're in uncharted waters right now. And he says, be patient. So I think what he's wanting to say is some of these teams this year in November and December, like Utah Valley and Vermont, some of those teams on an off night, anything could happen. And you know what happens around here when you lose the Gardner Webb?
1: (laughs) the phone lines light up a little bit. We've seen the Cats three times now in preseason uh, play. Thomas Moore, 103-61. Moore had the uh, charity game, which was a great event, 92-67. to And against Center College, 108-63. to Which, by the way, those Center kids, they came to play. They were fun. <laughs> they were entertaining to watch. And for a little bit, I, I only, was, by, only because you ended up winning by 400. <laughs> I was watching more of them than Kentucky. Uh, and I, I thought it was great that Cal was invited... It was a nice in-state schools. Um, We've seen three different starting lineups in these three preseason games. Now, I know, and you know, too, that's going to be different come
0: Friday night. That's going to be different maybe Tuesday night. Who knows? You know, I I couldn't tell anything from any of the three games. Uh, you, You had so much length out there, so much athleticism. You knew how the games were going to end up on the scoreboard. You see dunks, alley-oops, you know, blocked shots. But that's against a level of competition that you're no longer going to see now. And so that's why it's really hard to tell. Now, When you know, when you start tomorrow night against Utah Valley, which is a a, a very veteran-type team, they're still not in Kentucky's league talent-wise. I think Kentucky's like a 24-and-a-half-point favorite. But they, they'll, they'll come in, and this will be quite accurately their Super Bowl. They got two Super Bowls this year, by the way, one tomorrow night, one, one Saturday, Saturday night, night at Duke. And, and so they, they, they're they going to give everything they got. Uh, and, and that'll be a good opening test. The scary thing about opening this season is the way Kentucky goes Friday, Sunday, and boom, Tuesday.
1: Against Kansas.
0: Against Kansas and Chicago. And uh, that's going to be a test.
1: Let me ask you this. Uh, as far as the scheduling, doing three games in five days and Kansas being the third game. How did this happen?
0: Well, uh, this uh, only happens because Cal was the one that came up with the Champions Classic ideal literally while he was landing in Lexington. And uh, the TV boys bought it, you know. And it's really great because you've got four of the top ten schools every year. This year, it's four of the top four in one pole and four of the top five in the other pole. And uh, it's good. I like it. Uh, I really wish they'd have them ever – eighth or ninth year in, at the home sites, but that'll never happen. But, but it's, it's good for basketball. It's good to show the world a quality basketball team. And then you're going to learn from it, and then you're going to teach from it. And hopefully a loss or two in November and December to top five teams don't destroy your ranking. And, and I'll, I'll get on this real quickly here. Is This is why it's so important. They say rankings mean nothing in the preseason and in the November. It means all the world. And the reason it means all the world, if you're ranked number four or five and you lose that first game, you're going to drop somewhere like seven or eight because you're playing another top five team. And then you can lose another game, say, uh, in middle of December, and you'll drop to 10 or 11. And then you can start climbing back. But if you're ranked number 20 going into season and you lose the first game, you drop out of the top 25. And then it may be a month where you can get back in because you've got so many schools that don't schedule anybody. And if you got one loss, they're not going to put you above, above a team that's got no losses. That's very important. And you want to be ranked in a top – I think they're vastly overranked right now in the top five. I think there are 15 teams in America, if not more, that could beat Kentucky tomorrow just because they're veteran teams. They won't end March, but they could now. But if you get preseason ranked high, you can give up – a loss to Kansas, maybe a loss even to UCLA, provided you come back and beat Louisville at home. And you're going to be still being in the top ten. Where Kentucky has gotten in trouble, you lose many of them and drop out. I think it was um, 14 that Kentucky went into tournament as maybe a seven or eight seed and had to pull those phenomenal upsets back to back to back, Wichita State, Louisville. Uh, I think uh, Wisconsin Michigan. and Michigan were in that. And then in 11, they had to sort of do that with North Carolina and Ohio State. You don't want to be caught in that position every year. Still my favorite run of the yeah, tournament. Yeah, only because you those won kinds, those. O's. Yeah, yeah.
1: it had been a different story if we'd lost to uh, Louisville in that second round. So, well, are you ready to break down the schedule a little bit? And let's, let's go. Well, Kentucky opens up November 10th, Friday night, against Mark Pope's Utah Valley team out of the WAC Conference. And then the next day, they have to play Duke. I'm um, I'm really hoping for Mark Pope to pull that one out on Saturday. But (laughs) I, once again, I I think it's great that a former Kentucky player coming in and bringing his team into
0: Rupp arena, Mark Pope is one of my all-time favorite players. Uh, the, The story behind Mark Pope that some people may not know. How did he get to Kentucky? Well, he got to Kentucky because he started out playing for Washington. Whose head coach was a former assistant coach at Kentucky. And, uh, His head coach got fired after the end of his freshman year. And Mark was uh, Pac 10 at the time, Pac 12, uh, freshman of the year. And when he got through and his coach got fired, he, he just said, Coach, I don't want to be here without you. You know, help me go somewhere else. So his coach said, Well, let me check around. So anyway, his coach decided that, you know, he would call Joe B. Hall. And when he called Joe B, Joe B said, Well, I'll go talk to Rick one of the few times that Rick Pitino probably ever listened to Joe Hall for anything, but it, it was smart. So he came here, set out a red shirt year, and he was a huge, huge factor in that 1996 championship run.
1: I remember Mark Pope half court the little back tap there. And I can't remember who was on the uh, receiving end of that, but I mean, he made a huge defensive play towards the end of the game and Mark Pope, one of the smartest basketball players I've ever seen it
0: without question. And it's smart, an individual, I mean, really intellectual kid who got his head squared on just perfectly a, a great human being. And, uh, you know, he's been here before. Uh, I think his first coaching job may have been, I believe, in Georgia's assistant. Right. uh, Right. Maybe it was Mark Fox Early. Does does that sound right? Correct. Yeah. You are correct. And so I'm I'm going to look forward to seeing him here, and and I think it's a good opportunity for him to show his kids where it's at. And, in fact, they're actually bringing like 70 or 80 boosters with them because Mark said to his boosters, I'm wanting to build this program at Utah Valley. And for you all to know where I want to take it, you need to go see where the best is played. I'm going to take you to Kentucky, and I'm going to take you to Duke. Just a gauntlet of Kentucky and
1: Duke. Uh, so we are definitely pulling for Mark Pope on Saturday night against Duke. Sunday, November 12th, the Catamounts of Vermont come into Rupp Arena. They finished their season last year 29-6. and six. They won the American East Tournament. They were an NCAA tournament team.
0: Good team, good problem building. And this is kind of teams that uh, Cal likes to play because this helps your RPI later in the year. If they come out and have a strong team do well in the tournament last year, Kentucky got a lot of hump at last couple of years with a cow scheduling. It's what more sec schools should be scheduling. You don't need to be playing a team that's ranked in the low or high, uh, low 200s or 300s. You know, you get these teams pretty good. And then what happens when you're playing this good a schedule, then your opponents in the SEC gets credit for their opponents playing a good schedule. And this is a good challenge for a young team that's got the talent that Kentucky has. Well, how many
1: times have you heard fans complain, all the home schedule's not strong enough, but then the opposite of that, you hear Cal say, hey, this is a good ball team. They won their conference well, tournament. They got a decent un-
0: record, NCAA tournament. Unfortunately, our fans don't always know what's going on outside Kentucky. Just uh, If they have a basketball name, they recognize it. If it's Marquette, they recognize it. If it's Arizona State, if it's a Power 5 school, they recognize They don't recognize some of the really good schools, good programs, that's not a Power 5 school, and, and this is one of them.
1: One of those names that fans are going to recognize is Kansas in the Champions Classic, November 14th, Tuesday night. Kansas with a number four preseason ranking, Kentucky number five. Uh, talk about Kansas a little bit. They had some issues with Missouri. Couple weeks ago,
0: well, they did, but they came back and won it. I think by about twenty at the end of the game. No,
1: it was ninety three eighty seven.
0: Was it ninety three eighty seven? Wow, uh, I I think they're uh, they've got a little bit concerned because they've been caught up on the periphery of this FBI scandal out of Washington. That we don't know where it's going to go. We know where it's been. We know who it's already clamped down on, but there's others going in. They've got that, but they've got quality people. Uh, I would have preferred to play them maybe 10 days, two weeks later in the season, but it is what it is, and it's going to be a great challenge.
1: We talked last year when Kansas came into Rupp Arena as part of the SEC Big 12 Challenge, and I can't remember what you said about, because what's going to happen is Kentucky's going to play West Virginia In January, the scheduling of the way that falls when out. We know it's TV, but do you like that still with stepping out of conference?
0: Yeah, I I like it. I think it helped Kentucky more when the league was really down, and it still may be down some this year, but it's going to be a lot better than it was last year. Um, And and here's what you do. This is the price you play when you're Kentucky in basketball. uh, They're going to pair the best teams of each conference against each other. You know we had 2 years with Baylor when they were good. We've had 2 years with Kansas and now we got 2 years with West Virginia and in games like that what you want to do is what we didn't do last year. We we should have won that game last year. You got to at least protect, protect your home turf. And that will be one of the biggest games in the last 25 years in Morgantown when that game is played if both teams are ranked in the top 10.
1: Right. Let me ask you about Kansas. Do you want to give a prediction now, or do you want to wait when we uh, get through no, the yeah, let's, schedule? Let's,
0: let's just wait till we get through okay. to the end.
1: Kansas and Kentucky in the Champions Classic, and then the Cats are back home for three, November 17th, November 20th, and the 22nd. ETSU, which was an NCAA tournament team last year. Troy won the uh, 2017 Sunbelt Tournament last year, and Fort Wayne also to November 26th, uh, UIC
0: out of the Horizon League
1: cats December 2nd they take on Harvard they were 18 and
0: 10 last year Tommy Amaker he he's built a very solid program there a legendary program for an Ivy League school because you don't have too many of them but that that's a that's a very strong program for that level uh and Cal likes to do these uh what should we say uh feel good uh scheduling situations with situations like that and uh uh It's going to be interesting to see Tommy come in here. you have a well-coached team. They'll be fundamentally well. They won't be as gifted athletic as Kentucky, but it should be a fun game
1: take the kids from Harvard and then the Kentucky kids playing in the NBA? Is this going to be the richest richest basketball game as far as money being earned in the future from these two teams?
0: Well, I, th- I think I think that the Kentucky players will earn their wealth quicker than the ones at Harvard, <laughs> but the ones at Harvard will most likely protect their wealth better than the ones that play <laughs> in the NBA. Well said, Oscar, well said. Uh, December 9th, they take on Monmouth.
1: Is that uh, New York?
0: A, that's up in New York.
1: Yeah, Madison Square Garden. And uh, let's see, Virginia Tech comes in December 16th. Buzz Williams brings in the Hokies.
0: Yeah, that, that's that's, a, that's an interesting schedule there, and I'm not upped if there's a return game on that or what or if that is just Buzz wanting to bring a team into to reprieve. Yeah, they're an ACC team, and you wouldn't think they would be interested in just – one game only, and like I said, I don't know the details of the contract. There may be a neutral site game somewhere later on next year with them, but I like Virginia Tech coming in, and Buzz is a very, very good coach. Um, Tech has not been you know, a powerhouse over there, but uh, he's building.
1: Well, in the ACC, it's a little tough with North Carolina, Duke, Louisville in the past couple of years, but my understanding is Virginia Tech has lost a little bit of scoring had a pretty high-powered offense last yes. year. So we'll see how they match up against Kentucky. And then December 23rd in New Orleans, it's UCLA.
0: Well, you know, i tell you what, I, as soon as I saw that, I, I just I just like to see Kentucky and UCLA play anyway. But as soon as I saw that, I said, you know, I'm going to check. I'm going to go on here and Google. And I went over there and Googled the New, uh, New Orleans Pelicans schedule when it first came out, and it wasn't out yet. <laughs> So I waited and waited. A couple of weeks it came out and I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to New Orleans and I'm going to see Kentucky and UCLA. And I'll either get there a couple of days early or a couple of days later and watch the Pelicans play. Because the Pelicans are just about all Kentucky now. I mean, Cousins, you got Davis, you got Darius Miller, and you got Rondo who is uh, waiting to get healthy. And daggone it when you believe they're not at home either three days before or three days after the Kentucky game. So it just really screwed up my plan to go down there and spend a week. So and you're watch not them all. going. So I'm not going. How
1: great would that be? That'd been a great road trip.
0: I mean uh, you, Oscar
1: Combs in New Orleans. Yes. <laughs>
0: Last time I was there, we clean it dry. Uh,
1: we'll save that for off the air. Um Cats and UCLA over the last four years, they're two and two. This has become quite an intense rivalry. Always has been though. Yeah.
0: Well, now again, I mean, there's just so much going on in the college basketball world. Within the last 48 hours, we've had the incident over in China where three of the UCLA players have uh, apparently lifted some sunglasses that are not normally sold at Walmart or at uh, Save-A-Lot. And uh, they've been detained for shoplifting. At the time we're recording this on Thursday evening, there's still no resolution to it. It's, it's going to be interesting to see if that has any effect on their team going forward when they get back home. Uh, actually, we don't even know when these players are going to be allowed to come back home. And sometimes that can affect the team all year long. And, of course, you know what the father of one of those players has done as far as causing distractions out there. But it's still going to be Kentucky and UCLA, and it will be a big, big game. Right before Christmas.
1: Preseason, I believe uh, UCLA is ranked 21st in the AP poll, 18th in the coaches' poll. UCLA is playing Georgia Tech in their season opener in China. I know a few teams are going over to Europe and they're doing this international play to open up
0: the season. What do you think about that? Well, it's, it's good if everything goes well, but I mean, you better know what you're doing. Sometimes when you go to a foreign country, If you and I were going there, you know to be on your best behavior. But sometimes college kids are coddled from the time they're in the third or fourth grade, and they manage to get out of trouble at any point from the seventh grade on because they're the star, where it's not taking a class, getting a grade given to you, or getting out of trouble. And then suddenly you go to China, and, you know, something happens. It's not as easy getting out of that. A little bit different, a little
1: different, uh, West, uh, West Virginia is playing in Rammstein, Germany, Yes, Texas ain't in. they're playing on an air force base, I believe.
0: Well, it's, it's, it's a lot better when you're staying on a military base of your government than somewhere else. I, 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 I mean, Kentucky used to go to Japan in the summer and spend eight, 10, 12 days. And normally that works. It, it's good for education, culture, learning, you know, uh, but, I don't know if I'm a coach. I don't know where I'd want to do that during the season. I like it in all seasons where something goes wrong. You've got time to clean everything up.
1: Didn't Kentucky do that in 77, 78? They went to China or Japan.
0: They went to Japan after the 78 season. Okay, Now, way, way back there in Rupp days, uh, people probably don't even know about it, but I want to say back in the 60s, the State Department asked Kentucky, asked Rupp to take the Kentucky team. Um, uh, somewhere in Europe to play like 10, 12 games. It might've even been, it was around the era of, of, uh, of the fab five and they play like 10 or 12 games. And Adolf fought with NCAA for years saying, since the government ordered him to do it, they didn't order him. They asked him to, mm-hmm. but he called it, order me. They should count those as victories in his victory column <laughs> And NCAA never went along with that.
1: One of the coolest things I've ever seen and I'm getting off subject is the, uh, poster of Kentucky taking that tour of Japan yes. after the season. And it's got the Japanese writing on it. And I don't think I've ever seen Jack Gibbons' name written in Japanese, but it is so cool.
0: Well, not only that, to bring analogy up to date on that, you know, who sponsored that trip. It was a famous Japanese shoe manufacturer. And the story on that was, and we'll add this in here and cause coach Hall and I were just talking about it last week. One of the guys got close to Jack Gibbons. Now, at this point in time, Jack had already graduated. This was after the 78 season. And talked him into wearing one of their shoes on the exhibition tour. Big pair of bright red shoes. And said they got down. And I went out on the floor and said, Joe looked out there and he said, you know, Converse is sponsoring Kentucky and paid their expenses to go over there. And he's wearing this Japanese shoe. And supposedly one of the guys told him they'd give him some sushi or something if he'd wear the shoe, but he just wore it and warm up. When he got back to the locker room, he went back into his converse to, converse to play in the game.
1: Does Roger Harden know about this? Yes, Roger does. Does he really? <laughs> well, we'll move on from UCLA and Japanese shoes. The Louisville Cardinals coming in and my, oh my, oh my. What, what's your thoughts on this?
0: <sighs> Sad. It's an era is gone. I mean, There'll be no more Rick Pitino versus Kentucky, no more Kentucky versus Rick Pitino, and you know it will probably survive it and come back at some point. But for a few years, it's not going to be the same. You're not going to see people paying four, five, six hundred dollars for a ticket to that game, right out the start. People that pulled out those two tickets back in two months ago said, we're going to hold these, and we're going to get our crews paid for, selling these two for $1,200. They're not going to get to $1,200 now. Lloyd's going to be good this year. It's hard to say how good. If Rick had been there, uh, and this is no disrespect to uh, Padgett, they'd be in the top 10, the way he's scheduled and everything. But there's, a, there's going to be a period here of adjustment to David Padgett and David Padgett to the team. I think they're still going to be a really, really good club. They could surprise everybody and, and make it to the Final Four, but with so much uncertainty still going on, you don't even know what's going to happen in that program. This may be their better team for the next four or five years because now they've got to go recruit after these kids leave. If there's a player or two on that team that's first uh, top first-round draft pick in the season, like in the top 20, he's probably going to go. Uh, but it's still going to be Kentucky and Louisville. It will be big. It just won't be what it has been for the last 10 years.
1: It, Quentin Snyder for Louisville, I think he's one of the most underappreciated guards in all of college well, basketball. He's going to be a three-year starter.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think he's underappreciated, but say, I think he's great. And I think more people are doing it too. But probably from everybody coast to coast, he probably is underappreciated. But they've got some great talent down there. And they've got a couple, three kids that uh, you know that are definitely pro-prospects.
1: And then you have Anas uh, Mahmood. He ranked fourth last year in blocks as well. Great defensive player.
0: Well, you know, he could be a first-team All-American this year. And uh, he's going to have a great season. He's put in the work in the offseason. I don't think there's any question that, you know, he's going to be a first-round draft pick. That
1: ends out the uh, pre-conference schedule for Kentucky as they take on Louisville. Uh,
0: Louisville ranked 16th AP and coaches poll. And they would be in the top ten if – Rick was still right, there right and that's not again again that's that's not fair to say they're doing that because he's so much a better coach than David Paget that's just the way it works out among people's thinking that don't necessarily know the sport outside of Kentucky are
1: you pulling for David
0: Paget oh he's a great guy great guy and and I you know I, I want to see Lowell be good you know uh I you know you, you want to beat him that one game every year. But uh, you still like to see good basketball. I'd love to see Kentucky and Louisville and Western Kentucky and Northern Kentucky. I mean, uh, and and for that matter, Eastern, Western, Moorhead, and Murray. You know, there used to be great, great basketball in Kentucky for many years. And then just the way the progress of the game went, the OVC lost some of its luster, and they can't afford the budgets that the others do. But there was a time when Eastern and Moorhead and – Murray and Western were huge. And at one time, Western was bigger than Louisville and just as big as Kentucky. Well, and look what Western did back in the 70s. Yes. Well, I mean, they put a pretty good whipping on Kentucky and (laughs) Adolph Rupp late in Rupp's career. Well, and Patrick Sparks came in here and did a little damage. as Well, if you can't beat them, bring them to your side.
1: (laughs) Let me ask you this. It's never too early to start talking about New Year's Eve plans. What are you doing, New Year's Eve?
0: Well, New Year's Eve, I, I don't know. I don't think that far ahead.
1: You don't? No. Well, I do because, you know, I, I have a schedule I have to keep up with. And New Year's Eve, the Cats open up conference play against Georgia. And, and that's, it, a, wow. I believe, a doubleheader with the uh, ladies team as well.
0: Well, that's 6 o'clock on December 31st a Sunday night. New Year's Eve. Woo. <laughs> I don't know who scheduled that, but I know who's thankful, and that's Bill Owens because they wouldn't have been able to rent out Rough Arena to anybody else on that
1: night. Isn't that the truth? Downtown will be hopping, cats and dogs living together on New Year's Eve, and then January 3rd, Wednesday, cats travel to LSU, and on the 6th of January, they travel to Tennessee.
0: Well, you you see that four of the first six games – in the conference are on the road. Georgia and AM at home. You got LSU, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, and South Carolina on the road. Uh, I think I think uh, three of those four road games uh, they they should come out of that stretch five and one. I think Vanderbilt uh, will be very very difficult in Nashville. Uh, they should beat Georgia and AM at home. They should beat LSU, uh, Tennessee. I'm not so sure because there's many many years when Kentucky's fifteen points better in Tennessee and finds somehow some way to lose in Knoxville. So that that could be a, but that's a stretch of six games there that Kentucky cannot afford to stumble because that's not the real, real rough parts of the schedule yet.
1: And South Carolina. They travel to South Carolina, January sixteenth. Let's get your thoughts on Frank Martin in that Final Four run.
0: Well, he had a super run last year. It couldn't happen to a finer fella. And uh, but they lost a lot. I mean, they were really decimated with graduation, and uh, and so few coming back. They're in a rebuilding year, uh, but now the, uh, that's a team, too. That's one of their Super Bowls, and they'll have a crowd fired up for that, but I think Kentucky will be okay there. Kentucky comes back to
1: take on the Florida Gators January 20th. That's a Saturday night primetime for ESPN. What do you think about the Gators this year?
0: Uh, tough, tough, and tough. And uh, they, You may see them having the top seasons that Billy Donovan had down there. They've got – a lot of people back. They've got a couple of newcomers come in. Um, Mike White is going to be one of the top coaches in the country over the next 10 years. It'll be interesting another year or two to see if they're able to keep him because he's got success written all over him. His father is, uh, or was, I think he's still their athletic director at Duke University. And it's just going to be a matter of time to win a school like, say, a north carolina or kansas or someone like it opens up they'll come after me he he's he's very very intelligent he's got this team playing well together very quickly after billy left and that's going to be a pitfall that uh that that's going to be a place where he's going to he, year in and year out he's never going to have more than one or two losses at home well you
1: and i sat at the same table last year and talked about mike white and we rarely disagree on anything but what we agreed on is that we were both big fans of Mike White.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had such success at the little school down in Louisiana before he went there. He actually turned down Tennessee uh, when uh, Rick Barnes was hired. And I was a little bit surprised, but I know a couple of friends of his said, you know, he had decided early on on the advice of his father is sometimes jumping before you think means you're not going to land in the right spot. And I think I, now, is Florida going to be able to do things for him with the, what they should do to keep him? Billy Donovan had back-to-back championships and couldn't get arena upgraded. And I think that's really why he finally left there. And Florida's a football school, it always has been, always will be. Now, if they will give him stuff to work with, he might stay. But, again, I think he's one that's going to move on to I could see him going back to the ACC.
1: January 23rd, the Mississippi State Bulldogs come in. Ben Hallen brings in the Bulldogs to Rep Arena. And January 27th, it is the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Kentucky goes to Morgantown to take on Huggy Bear in West Virginia.
0: If Kentucky could win that game, I think that would be their biggest win of the entire season as far as the regular season goes. That's going to be, I mean. Bigger than Kansas. Uh, bigger than Kansas only because they haven't been there in probably 50 years. I I think the last time they played there was back in the 60s. West Virginia used to come routinely to the UKIT when Jerry West played there. And that was a huge rivalry back then, and then they quit playing each other. So if Kentucky can go there, I remember back in early April, Bob Huggins was on a speaking tour in Charleston, West Virginia. And he was telling one of the boosters club that, they had a game coming up this winter in Morgantown that if you ever wanted to have a ticket to a West Virginia game, this would be it. It would be the biggest game that they would ever attend there. He never did say who the opponent was, but we found out within the week that Kentucky was going to play, be playing West Virginia in the SEC Big 12 Classic in West Virginia.
1: Kentucky's one and one in
0: Morgantown. So they played twice. And you got to remember what makes that one so special way back then is the border states that you normally don't think of as border states. And basketball was so big back in the 50s and 60s at West Virginia. So this is going to be the big one. And uh, uh, I I, I just think it would be the biggest win that Kentucky will have on its schedule if they can pull that off.
1: Well, and the last time Kentucky and West Virginia got together was in the NCAA tournament in 2015, and West Virginia shot their mouths off a little bit, and look what happened.
0: Well, that's true, but let's go back one game before that. One of the biggest disappointments that Cal's had here was playing West Virginia in Syracuse first year. And had they they gone to the Final Four in 2010, I think Kentucky would have won it.
1: Totally agree with you. That was the night where uh, everything went in for West Virginia. And nothing nothing went in for
0: Kentucky. Even Darnell Dotson couldn't buy one.
1: So the last time the Cats went into Morgantown was 1970. They ended up escaping 106 to 100. But let's go back a little bit further where we talked about that one-to-one record in Morgantown, 1941, Kentucky at West Virginia, 46 to 36.
0: One of the greatest Kentucky-West Virginia basketball stories of all time was back in the mid fifties when Kentucky was recruiting a guy by the name of King Kelly Coleman out of Wayland. And they were recruiting him against West Virginia. And the kid was ready to pull the, the the Sharpie for Kentucky and suddenly West Virginia got him and Adolph Rupp found out some early recruiting where some boosters had bought a car for, um, uh, his father. And he was actually enrolled at, West Virginia and the NCAA investigated and ruled that he couldn't go there and play. And then he ended up going to Kentucky Westland for a year, which at the time was located in Winchester, Kentucky. So the viral between Kentucky and West Virginia was unbelievable. And then they played in two or three of the UK ITs right after that in the, like in 59, 60, 61 through there. And that's when Jerry West played. And I mean, that, that was hot at that time. Now, only us guys over 75 or 80 can remember that. But uh, the 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 glory there and the hand down of the older people and younger people, that is going to be one unbelievable game. And I would be very surprised if ESPN doesn't do something special for that game to dig up all that history from it.
1: And if we did a podcast on King Kelly Coleman, how long would we be here?
0: Uh, we'd be here until a plane flew over dropping a leaflet saying he has arrived. <laughs> <laughs> Which they did for him in the state tournament in 1956.
1: I will get your predictions on West Virginia after we finish up the schedule here. Uh, Kentucky returns to Rupp Arena to take on Vanderbilt. And then they're, uh, you, you mentioned this. Vanderbilt might be a tough uh, game for yes, they've got
0: Yes, they've got a really nice team. They've got some players coming back. I, I just think that they're going to be the upcoming team. And I think if not this year, in the next two years, uh, they're going to be right there with Kentucky and Florida.
1: Kentucky travels to Missouri, February 3rd. Uh, we just talked about what Missouri did, that uh, took Kansas to a tight one in. Pre-season. Well, uh, they, they've, they've had an
0: unbelievable recruiting year, Michael Porter jr. Who's going to be a one and done his brother. They brought in people left and right. And I, I'm going to tell you, they could easily be the surprise champion of the sec tournament because for the first time ever. It's being played in St. Louis, Missouri this year. What do you think
1: about that, going outside of Nashville for a little bit and well, that, taking you the know, conference over there?
0: That, that that was a payback to Missouri for coming into the conference a decade ago. Missouri wanted, wanted to say, well, what's coming at me? Now, hey, they're not taking the football championship out of Atlanta, Georgia. They're not going to nope. do that, no matter what. So the only doggy bone they could offer them is, well, we'll take our basketball term for their one time. Now, since they announced that, they've signed this umpteen hundred year deal with Vanderbilt, which I don't like because the hotels in Nashville is ripping everybody off. And they're doing it not just the SEC tournament, any event they're having in Nashville. They're not, I mean, they're they're New York City South without all the uh, pluses of it. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. So I, I, don't, I don't have any problem with that. It's a one-year deal only. Hopefully everything goes smoothly, but it will definitely be a nice home court advantage for Missouri.
1: Well, it's definitely a boost for the conference as far as getting the SEC out to that part of the, uh, United States. I
0: guess you could say that.
1: I look at it from a territorial standpoint. <laughs> uh, Tennessee, February 6th at Rupp Arena. What do you think about the Vols this year?
0: Uh, I like Rick Barnes a lot. I think he's got, going to have that club stabilized. Don't think it'd be, uh, good enough to beat Kentucky at home. I think Kentucky uh, is going to have to struggle to go undefeated at home. And I shouldn't use that word struggle when you're talking about undefeated at the same time. Uh, but Kentucky's used to, to sweeping at home. Uh, but I think they'll take care of Tennessee at home.
1: Kentucky hits the road February 10th at Texas A&M, and four days later, they take on Bruce Pearl and the Auburn Tigers.
0: A&M could be difficult. Kentucky has had trouble playing down there since they've been to conference. Uh, the Williams kid may be the best player in the league this year. I mean, he just takes, you know, he just dominates the game. Um, that's probably a loss. Auburn, uh, that probably is the best second back-to-back road game that Kentucky can play with a mess that Auburn's in right now. They may be without two of their best players out of this uh, investigation by the FBI. They may even have a interim coach by then. Who, who knows? But it, it's not a pretty situation at Auburn right now. Well, you just said one word that
1: kind of stuck out in my mind, interim.
0: As we recording this right here, the reports from different media uh, sources around the country, including ESPN, is that Bruce Pearl has not agree to co- cooperate with the university's own investigators. Now, by NCAA rules and, and employment rules, you're required to cooperate with both the NCAA investigators and your school. And when you say you're not going to do that with the school, if that is true, in fact, not good news keeping your job. Cats take on Alabama at Rupp
1: Arena February 17th. February 20th, they are at Arkansas. Your thoughts on the Razorbacks?
0: Oh, boy, they, 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 they were in and out, in and out last year. A lot of people thought Mike Anderson was on the ropes, might get fired, and, you know, they survived everything last year. Uh, tough place to play. Uh, depends on how the club's going at the time. Depends on how Kentucky's going. That's one of those places that, that could be a loss if you're not up to it.
1: I want to back up a little bit. Let's talk about Avery Johnson and Alabama. Once again, another school involved in this shoot. Yeah,
0: and, and and you got a five star player involved here too. Uh it, it depends on how that works out. I mean if they lose that case and those kids don't play, they're gonna struggle. But if they're able to play, they're gonna be one of the top four or five teams league. Could be as good as the number that could be one, two or three, probably three. If they got together, because I like, really like him as a coach, and I think that uh, he had everything coming together. But if if this we just don't know what this uh, FBI thing is going to turn into. And it may happen before we even get this podcast up. <laughs> it may happen Thanksgiving, Christmas. It may happen in January, February. We just don't know.
1: Missouri, Ole Miss, they round out the home portion at a proper arena for the Cats. Yeah.
0: Missouri is is one of the games, if not the game, Kentucky has to worry about winning at home. This team can be really, really, really good. I mean, they could they can be top five, six, seven, eight in the country if what we hear about them is true. Now, what you hear in July and even in October, November, sometimes totally different than February or March. But, boy, they've got a lot of ingredients there if they can put it together. And – uh you know, they'd like nothing better to come into Rupp Arena and beat Kentucky. And Ole Miss? They have been a solid team in the middle of the conference for several years right now, and sometimes in the top five or six. I mean, he's done a phenomenal job down there, and, you know, I think he's got the longest tenure of anybody in the SEC now. And uh, But, that, that, you know, they're not going to win at Rupp, I don't think.
1: Do you feel like Andy Kennedy is
0: almost there at times? And then he takes he, three steps back. He he's been so unlucky and then so lucky from the incident up in Cincinnati, which seems like it's twenty-five years ago right. now, when he was in the taxi cab and got in that little day. They were they were actually up there to play Xavier or Cincinnati and it was the night before the game. But his players play hard for him. He recruits solid players who's sort of been overlooked in a deep South and he's very, very competitive. And you got to tip your hat to him. I mean, he's been able to survive when much larger names have not. Well, what was it two years ago or two or three years ago where he came into Rupp Arena
1: and took Kentucky to overtime? Yes. I always like to keep an eye on him. What, yes. Florida rounds out the regular season for Kentucky in Gainesville.
0: Not been too kind to of Kentucky over the years particularly in the last 10 or 12. It's a tough place to play, and you can play them for 38 and a half minutes, and they play on their home floor at crunch time in a big game like Kentucky does at Rupp. And uh, if you look at a Kentucky SEC schedule, uh, if you're Kentucky and you're going to lose two or three on the road, that's normally
1: going to be one of them. We've gone through the schedule. Oscar, I'm looking at it right now. I'm feverishly anticipating your predictions here through the regular season.
0: well I do not I d I don't I don't think it's gonna be as flowery as we would like to see it be. It's gonna be a team that's gonna grow as the season uh rolls from November and December and January, February into March. Hope you're playing the third or fourth week of March. No guarantees. Uh but but I could see this team the way it's made up right now, uh, you you, you got to look at the Kansas game. You got to look at the UCLA game. You got to look at the Louisville game in the remainder of this year as games that you could be on the wrong side. But you could, you could win any of them. Uh, by the same token, you got to be concerned about games like Virginia Tech. Did I mention UCLA in that group? Yep. If I didn't, I should have. But Virginia Tech is one that could surprise you. Uh, and, and as Cal said earlier, I mean, you, you'd look at one of these like Vermont or uh, uh, Harvard, either one. You go out there and you got freshmen playing and they suddenly play that way and they got an injury or two. And, I mean, you can look up and suddenly you'll be one down. Uh, as Cal talked about, they played Miami of Ohio his first year here. And they were down big in the second half. And then John Wall hit the, the shot that won the game for him, And, I mean, you would have never thought the team that was within one game of being in the Final Four and could have won it all would have lost to Miami. Well, I think Charlie Coles had the great interview that night. Remember that?
1: I was going to say John Wall had the shot, but Charlie Coles kind of stole stole, the night. night. He (laughs) did. He did. Our buddy Dick Gabriel uh, kind of led him down that direction. So. Uh, God rest Charlie Coles. So always liked watching. He was a
0: super guy. Yes, he was. So, so I I think this is a team that could, I think they'll lose. uh, I I think they'll lose at least four SEC games and could lose as many as five or six. It's hard to pick them out. I mean, you, you obviously look just at the road games. You look at Florida, number one, A&M, number two, um, Missouri, number three. I mean, there's three games that. You know, they'll probably be an underdog in. And if you lose one or two more and then you lose a home game, it's just so early with this young team that, you know, who do you go to at the very beginning as a go-to player the first six games? You don't know. Right.
1: Because they're all new. All indications would tell you Kevin Knox based on the way he's playing. But it could be anybody on any given night with this roster. As of right now, based on what you know, if you were to look down the road, in March, where do you see this Kentucky team ending up? You know, we had this conversation a year ago. Of course we did.
0: And at that time, I said, well, I would be very disappointed if they didn't make the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. And a legitimate goal would be a lead eight, and anything would be a bonus. And that wasn't too far off. Made the lead eight. One more shot or one less shot, you know, you're in the Final Four. I have to admit, the team really progressed much better later than I thought they would and much less earlier than I thought they would. And and this is a team that's got a little bit of that same makeup to them. Now, whether or not we end up having two or three guys that blossom like they did remains to be seen, but this could, this could, this uh, I've had some experts around the country tell me that this team would not make it out of the first weekend. I I don't buy that, but now here's the key. The key is if they end up with a, seven, eight, or a nine seed, then they're probably right. Because that second game, you're going to be playing a one, two, or three seed. That's what happened in 14 by playing Wichita State in a second game, and they were the one seed. Now, if Kentucky can get away with being no worse than a four or five seed, then I think we're looking at sweet 16 at a potential, if they're playing good, at a lead eight. And then after that, you know, you're you're playing with house money. Well, you know, as
1: well as I do, it's always a progress with Cal. Yes. It's always an adventure
0: with Cal well, Perry
1: and these teams as and well. I gotta,
0: and i got to say this, too. Looking ahead, and why should we be looking ahead to 2019 when we've not even played 2018? But I will say, as a result of what's happening in recruiting and everything last year and this year, I think 2019, Kentucky will be loaded for bird because I think – He's got so many freshmen that there's going to be a number of them that's going to be back for a second year. And if they can pull off two or three good recruits here this year, uh, between now and March, April, May, then I think he'll have maybe his best overall roster since he's been here with some veterans coming back. Wow. Now, what trade those veterans, provided they – hang number nine but i don't expect number nine to come this year
1: where can i expect to see you at on broadway bourbon street michigan avenue well how about ruff arena i'll see you there at Rupp arena this season thanks though
0: you're welcome